Dude, take two, because I just recorded an entire pre-roll for the podcast, and I had a massive brain fart. I my, I need to get tested for TBI, traumatic brain injury. Um, that's a sidebar, anyways. What's up? What's going on, guys? <laughs> oh, man. I've had coffee this morning, too. That's what's interesting. Um, <laughs> let's try this again. I have a, a bunch of companies that I work with that are sponsors for the podcast. Companies with products that I use and trust. So it's, it's very authentic, but I'm learning as I go, man. We're only, what, this is the third episode, and I need to just refine and hone in my the SOPs and the practices for the podcast and what's referred to as the pre-roll, like what you're listening to literally right now, the intro to the podcast episode. I don't even do um, ad copy for these podcast sponsors because I I've, I consume thousands upon thousands of hours of podcasts um, a year. And I believe that the best um, basically ads for sponsors are always right at the beginning never interrupting the actual podcast episode and it's never reading off an ad copy but i've quickly learned that i'll just completely forget the order in which i want to read them or i'll forget for like 20 seconds which podcast sponsor i want that's supposed to be on there and then i have to re-record and i just did that so now that i wrote a very very minimal uh, podcast sponsor reminder this uh, this episode is brought to you by Nova 3 Labs. Nova 3 Labs makes incredibly high-quality, effective supplements. My two favorites are Max Adrenal and Max Sleep. Max Adrenal is one of my favorite staple supplements. Literally just helps your body perceive stress differently, recover from stress. And stress is both mental and physical. So, you know, most of us have commutes. Uh, jobs with their own stresses just if you have kids you gotta you know obviously take care of them you have outside obligations you're not probably not sleeping enough and you're probably working out pretty hard so you have mental and physical stresses max adrenal will help your body recover and adapt to those stresses that on top of max sleep is dude max sleep is wow like my favorite of all time sleep supplement really really deep dreams my uh my recovery is up you know both i feel it and it's quantifiable through like heart rate variability tracking um i don't wake up groggy those two that one two combo is unbelievable they also make you know really good pre-workout and performance supplements too check them out nova3labs.com use the promo code alpha brew you will save 15 percent off of your order this episode is also brought to you by Element 26. Element 26, my friends, are crushing like the workout accessory gear game. They make amazing belts. Their belts are really ideal for multiple rep functional movements. They have a self-locking roller on the belt, so you can very quickly tighten that belt or very quickly untighten that belt and just keep it on. It's designed so that you can do deep squats. It's not going to like jam up into your rib cage or the top of your hips. Uh, it's great for like functional fitness and CrossFit. It's just stiff enough. It's not really stiff like a thick leather powerlifting belt, and it's not super flimsy. They also just came out with really awesome uh, gymnastic hand grips that are carbon fiber. Really cool. So super durable, grips very well, and it covers the entire hand. And if you've never used them, a lot of the drawbacks to uh, traditional like gymnastic grips that like crossfitters are used to using is that you have to slip your fingers through the holes in the grips but it still always inevitably leaves a the holes of skin that are unex they're still exposed and you can rip easily there it kind of defeats the purpose and uh, element 26 their new grips cover your entire hand that's no longer an issue um, and they also have like finger tape grip tape it's really awesome. Very sticky, but uh, stretchy too. Um, go to element26.co, use the promo code AlphaBrew, and you'll save 15% off your entire order. This next one is a very interesting one. The sponsor is Imam Box. And Imam you know, is a kind of a functional fitness term for every minute on the minute, but Imam Box curates and tailors 
really high quality, high value subscription boxes straight to your door. And what's really cool about that is like, I gotta imagine, I don't, but most of us are not just shopping around for new brands that we're just not exposed to. And Imam Box picks high quality brands and products that they're going to put right at your doorstep and your fingertips. So any kind of uh, fitness, health, drink, um, food bar, supplement, apparel, hats, workout gear, stuff like that. They're very high value, typically at, you know, at least two times or more the value in each box that what you pay for each month and just kind of brings your awareness to new brands that you would probably have a much harder time or a longer time finding these brands, uh, coming across them. They just increase your awareness and put really cool products right at your fingertips that you would normally not come across on your own or it would take a long time. So if you go to Imambox, that's E-M-O-M, Echo, Mike, Oscar, Mike, box.com, Imambox.com, use the promo code AlphaBrew, you will save 15% off of your order. Another episode sponsor is Truist U. Truist U makes really high quality CBD products. That's who we use for our Truist Tans CBD coffee. Um, they make very high quality CBD drops and uh, CBD rub, muscle rub which is amazing for recovering from hard workouts, helping recover faster from injuries. And their CBD drops are awesome, just increasing inflammation, helping with anxiety, um, sleep, depression, all that stuff, calmness. They, they're probably the best in the game that I know of. Um, and they have 0%, 0.0% THC. So safe for all of our military, law enforcement, First responders, anyone who gets drug tested, uh, not an issue at all. Go to Truest U, Truest as in true, truer, Truest U, Y O U.com. Use promo code AlphaBrew, you will save 25% off of your order. And then last but not least, uh, this podcast is always brought to you by us, Alpha Brew Coffee, veteran and law enforcement owned coffee. We dabble only in specialty coffee, really high quality coffee. And we infuse that with nootropics or CBD. So in the end, our nootropic blend, our medium and coarse grind coffees, have effective natural amino acids that increase energy, performance, improve recovery, decrease jitters and crash associated with coffee and caffeine use typically. And our CBD coffee will help with recovery, sleep, pain, all that good stuff, all in a very simple, effective delivery of coffee that we all love and we take no shortcuts in that stuff folks we i mean we don't even nothing is electronic on our end we package everything by hand we roast by hand our roaster is not electronic at all it's very much like a an old muscle car and we take you know no corners we vacuum seal all of most of like 99.99 percent oxygen out of that coffee bag and then we flush it with nitrogen so it sits in an oxygen-free state in a very high-quality, thick bag with a true patented Italian one-way valve. So all any extra gases that have to expel from that freshly roasted coffee will stay out of the bag and still sit in an oxygen-free state. We have the Coffee Subscription Club. You'll get 25% off of your first bag and then 10% off of every bag after that you can choose how often uh, how many bags and what kind of coffee you want to your door every single month or every single week if you want every two weeks three weeks four weeks fresh roasted to your door you will never run out of coffee and you'll get that a, a very good deal on the shipping as well flat rate three dollar shipping really cool stuff anyways this episode is a special one survivor of Benghazi, former uh, CIA, you know, GRS contractor, um, former ranger. Everyone's seen 13 Hours, I'd imagine. Maybe even read the book. Chris Tonto Peranto. Um, I don't even want to give too much away. An amazing story. We talk about a lot of things. Not just about the actual story of Benghazi, but his outlook on life, his story, his morals. Really awesome guy. Without further ado, Chris Tonto.
So I got Chris Tonto Peranto here, former Ranger, uh, popularly known as Survivor Benghazi. Uh, <laughs> dude, thank you for coming on. Um, yeah, you right. have a massive cult following among the military and law enforcement. But for those who I'm sure they've seen the movie 13 Hours, for those who don't know, could you just give a quick intro to who you are? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris Perano, you said, like you said, Tano is call sign. People know me as that. Actually, I was, I've been called Tano for longer than, of course, the 13 Hours movie has come out. So I, I actually answer that quite a bit. Um, but I was a Ranger with the 2nd Battalion, 7th Ranger Regiment. Uh, I went out and became stupid and went and got my officer commission. Just kidding, all you commission guys out there, but I, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. So I left the enlisted course. I was a Mustang, so I left, left the enlisted corps when I got my five and I and did not know that for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut up. Don't we'll, we'll don't get into that, bro. Just <laughs> leave that alone. I said that I'm saying that we don't need to go into that any farther. All right. And then uh, I went actually to 19 Special Forces for a little while, and then I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 2003, and okay. was uh, discharged from the military for medical, and and that's where I started contracting. I and it just kind of fell into it. I I didn't even know what a contractor was. I wow. and I I contracted with Blackwater with. Uh, Ocean Hunter Group, Nexus Security Consultant, did a lot of anti-piracy stuff when it, that first started, yep. and I did that for the next 11 years, and then you got it. I actually got into Benghazi and was in Libya before that. Got that incident that went that went down with, of course, the movie was made about 13 hours, and yep. that movie's pretty accurate, guys. Very actually, very accurate. And all you naysayers out there, don't act like you know if you're telling me it's not, because obviously you don't know. <laughs> and then, and then I went to Yemen after Benghazi as well, and was in that stupid quagmire when state department screwed up that country so um yeah, yeah long, and then how long were you on for those of you i mean you were with grs at the time of the yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah, yeah how yeah. long have you been on grs and for those who don't know could you explain what grs is yeah the, the the name is global response staff um and that's what grs stands for we are the security it really is and i'll say kind of what we what i've said in my uh, a lot of the other podcasts I, it's almost like a template now we are the security element for the CIA is what we do. We provide protection. That's bread and butter. Now we do other things, yeah. but because of non-disclosure agreements, and I don't want to put other guys in danger. You know, I, I don't do that. I'm not going to do that. OPSEC. I can't tell you some of the other things we do, which yeah. makes me sound a lot cooler than what I really am because I'm really not that cool. But I can't <laughs> tell you. I really can't tell you. But it's the security element is what we do. And we do a lot of low-profile low protection, a lot of surveillance, yeah. a lot of counter-surveillance. And it's, it's a great job, and I've been doing it. Uh, up until uh, Benghazi, seven years close, close to seven years at that point, yeah. and also running the vetting courses for uh, for Blackwater when I was with Blackwater and they had the OGA program. I was running the uh, vetting courses. I'd come back from deployment and I was the lead instructor or the program manager to put guys down range to do the job I was doing. So I was really new on the ins and outs of not just the job but also the training aspect of it. Gotcha. So I mean, that's that's a literally just a lifetime of high yeah. level what I would like to call like probably non-permissive <laughs> environment very, operation. Very, right? Not permissive. <laughs> you know, you know, you're in a non-permissive environment in the Middle East when you go to Columbia or somewhere like that. And you're like, Oh my gosh, this is great. I can go hang out and do whatever I want. This I'm, is a I'm like, go to, you go to, you go to Peru or San Salvador and you're like, this is awesome. I don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so I guess one thing to touch on is, it, it obviously, GRS has changed and evolved in the past few years, but especially back then, GRS was like, dude, people didn't even know what GRS was. Like, yeah, you guys, yeah, were, yeah. you guys were pretty uh, on some dark side stuff, um, pretty low key. Um, so the embassy that was there was obviously public, but the site yep. that you were actually working on at the time was covert. Um, yes, sir. Yeah, it was. Yeah, brother. So, and it was during the entire power vacuum where Gaddafi, right, got pulled out. Yeah, it, it, it had been. It hadn't been long before that. And I'd been in Tripoli before Benghazi, so I'd been in in country often. You know, doing my rotations for about six months at that point. Yeah. And and we were at an annex. We were at an offsite, uh, and which was not the public site there. Which was it wasn't even an embassy. Now, this is the great, and you know the powers that be, you've worked with the government before, you've been in the military, of course. It went from an embassy to a consulate to a temporary mission facility. <laughs> to a, And the reason they kept downgrading it is because they didn't want to put the security into it. So it allowed them to say, well, it doesn't require this level of security because yeah. it's not really a consulate. It's a temporary mission yeah. facility. Or, 
yeah. in the political political ad. But at the annex, we're always at an offsite. Not say always, but generally we're at an offsite at an annex somewhere because we're doing other things that aren't State Department related. Mm-hmm. So you know, unless the powers that, and again, without getting into offsec, unless the powers to be says say that yes, you know what, your your cover is State Department. Well, we're generally not going to stay at a State Department base, and then also. We don't like to be adhered to by their rules. Their rules are ridiculous. I mean, yeah. look at the consulate there in Benghazi the, the, uh, or the temporary mission facility. They wouldn't allow them to have machine guns because their security profile, they said, was too high and was going to offend the, uh, the locals. That, we don't want to have to adhere to BS like that. We already have enough BS within the CIA. We don't need yeah. any, more than, any, any more than we have to deal with on our own. So, at the, yeah, so the funding kept getting decreased through yeah. the justification that you guys just didn't need it. Uh, what would you say was the environment like at the time in Benghazi? Obviously, you're, I would imagine, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, you're not doing yeah. a whole lot of public affairs and a lot of uh, overt operations. Yeah. No, you, you aren't. Is the, uh, you, you are, but you get, after the, that many years, you really do get acclimated. And guys that have multiple tours and deployments, that first deployment, oh, it's, it's like having your first child. You're kid, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. It's just, and then having that third child, you're like, oh, you know, go play with, go play with guns. I don't care. I mean, I don't, I don't do that, guys. I'm not saying like, <laughs> just, but you, know, you, you, you just get acclimated, so you don't think sometimes it's as dangerous as it as it was when the first trip you did. Yeah. But it was. It was very non-permissive. Um, ISIS, which or Ansar al Sharia, and those guys, those guys became ISIS. ISIS yep. was not ISIS yet. Ansar al Sharia. Al-Qaeda and the Maghreb were getting their shit together, excuse my language, and then Syria was kicking off, which which became became ISIS. So uh, you you really, it wasn't any overt meets except when the ambassador came in. And and the scene in the movie 13 Hours where you see the ambassador did that little little meet and greet, that actually happened. That happened. I remember Jack came back. He was so pissed because he's like, this was supposed to be a low profile meeting and it did the, the media got tipped off by the provincial government there and they just came from everywhere yeah. and jack was he was so upset because he's like I, there was nothing we could do we they could have yeah. kicked off a bomb and they would have blew us up so yeah. state department didn't take the security seriously we did and in 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 retrospect they should have but that's why they got hammered because they didn't take it seriously because it was a very dangerous environment uh, derna was a little bit i'll say derna was probably a little bit more dangerous because we couldn't even get into derna during that time from there, we try to get into the city in Derna and, uh, and you know, they, they could spot us coming in like that. So we actually, I would say Benghazi was actually the second most dangerous place in Libya at the time. Derna was the first and yeah. full disclosure. And, and the guy that was in charge, correct me if I'm wrong, was it the secret service team? Um, was there, and this happens, I see this kind of happening often where, okay, so it's not Fallujah like 2003 and it's not like parts sure. of, parts of saying in, in like 08, 07, 09. So it's not like every day something's popping off, but that can create such a complacency among those who are yeah. not well-trained enough and they let yeah. their guard down. And that is when it is really dangerous, right? Is when the complacency- You're, You hit the nail on the head. We, we I, I, Ambassador Stevens, I'm not gonna talk bad about him because he was a patriot and he really did love that country. And he spoke to, and he spoke Arabic well, he, he yeah. had himself tapped in. Um, and I don't know if it was him that said he didn't need a security team. He had a SIF team. And for those that don't know what oh. a SIF team is, a Command Extremist Force, a 10 Special Forces group, an ODA, a Special Forces Green Beret guys. Yep. That was his security all the way up to those six months until he became until he came to Benghazi. So when he came to Benghazi, I was like, where's his team? Because I knew those guys from, from Tripoli. I'm like, where the hell is his SIF team? Well, they got pulled. Why? Why are they sending him to Benghazi without uh, with his ODA? Because and uh, wow. and because you, you talk about complacency, I'm not going to say it was him because I don't know. Um, but I do know it was a State Department call, so the State Department got complacent. Because you're right, there wasn't there wasn't platter charges going off, you know, shape charges. There wasn't IEDs going off all the time. There wasn't uh, there wasn't uh, near and far ambushes, attacks going on all the time. But there was a lot of surveillance and counter surveillance, and them just waiting get a high value target that was what was going on i th- so man like for people who don't know someone of 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 the, of the level of notoriety of an ambassador like that um yeah. the the psd the personal security like detail it's usually like a sif like and it like it's a lot yeah. of guys it's a lot of people yeah. who each have their own role so 
you don't know if he, for whatever reason, he didn't have a SIF. So he was, so was it, the burden was completely on you guys to be his PSD? They, the bur- he had four security officers there. The movie's spot on, Dave yeah. Rubin, uh, Scott Wickland, Alec, Alec Henderson, and um, actually that, that was his main three. And then he brought two other guys from Tripoli that I didn't know. Okay. Um, they, and they were diplomatic security officers. Yep. They, they said they, I guess the state department, again, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm not knowing what Hillary Clinton and Patrick Kennedy and Charlene Lamb and all them idiots up there were, were thinking of themselves, yep. but they're up there. And well, maybe these guys can handle it. These guys can handle the security. And then we, we volunteered. We weren't supposed to, we, he was going to let the local 17 Feb drive him around and protect him. And, and we were like, no, that's not going to happen. We're here. Yeah. We'll help out. So it wasn't our burden. It w- the burden wasn't tasked us. In fact, our chief of base didn't even want us to do it. And we had to talk. We had to talk him into doing it. And what, that was going to be my question, I guess. Like that, that had to have burdened you guys even more yeah. and stretched you even thinner to protect the annex and to also guard the ambassador. Um, and do our and do our own ops. We still had our own ops to do too. With wow. and um. Well, and you, again, you see in the movie, the accuracy of the movie, you'll see a little scene where we're talking to Bub on that, on the CCTV yep. and, and, um, it says three of us just extended. Well, that's correct. Myself, Boone and Tyrone were supposed to go home three weeks earlier and we stayed to help cover and did worse hell, you know, but Roan died. Roan was supposed to be home. He yep. wasn't even supposed to be there. And, but that's, you know, as good as I do, that's, that's war. Uh, that's just how it is. Yeah. And, um, you're portrayed in the movie, which I would imagine is pretty accurate. Like you're a, yeah. <laughs> a pretty like cynical, funny, witty, dark dude. Um, and that's it, still me, man. Dude, I fucking believe it. Um, so like, it's t- it's interesting. It's it's hard to conceptualize to people like the ones who are close enough to you to ask what it's like, or the ones who are just dumb enough to ask a sensitive question like that. And it's tough. To, it's it's tough to portray, right, to people like like what is combat yeah. like. And for a lot of us, what you what I tell them, I don't even care now. What I tell them now is like, it's a drug. It's it's addicting. You talk about that. You call it the, the beauty in a firefight, the beauty of a firefight, right? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's really tough to. How would how would you explain that? How do you explain that to regular people who? just to have nothing to do with this well, world. You know, and the answer, because I think you got several questions there. Pablo did the, the perfect. Him and I are still friends. And he, he hit the nail on the head. He, he portrayed me exactly right. I am a smart ass. I am cynical. I'm going to make fun of the cool guys. I'm going to parody what we do. Like we were talking about before I even came on. Yeah. You know, I'm not worried a hellfire is going to hit me here. Nobody's tapping my phone. You know, I, I make fun of some of the police officers that we have here in town. Everybody's watching them. Every, every criminal wants to get you. You got to make sure. No, dude, it's not like that. It's, it's yeah. Just relax. You know, and that's how I was downrange. I would parody what we actually, what the alpha male was supposed to be. Make fun. It was. Yeah. But when guys knew when the shit hit the fan, okay, light switch is going on. Let's go get it. And that's when you can enjoy it. That's when you yeah. can have fun. And you, you really do because when I would see tracers go in the air because, and, and God bless us for having night vision and they're not having the night vision like we do. So they're <laughs> yeah. still using tracers. You know, you're seeing the orange and the green and you're hearing the explosions and you're hearing an RPG boom. And then it, when it actually detonates and goes boom, you know, you're out hearing that swoosh. You, when you're actually in that and you're seeing your night vision, just light up and go dark, light up and because it's just the bright lights. And it's to me, I'm, and this is what I was thinking that night. Man, this is awesome. Who gets to see this? Yeah. When do you get to see this in life? And you know, when we were in Lashkar, I remember we'd go in there and we'd fly into Lashkar and we'd do our little secret stuff. I would love to go up on the rooftops in Lashkar and just watch firefights with with my little Kandahar security force guy. He had his Naswar, which I tried once, never, never again. <laughs> oh my gosh! I had my Copenhagen, and we would just stay up all night together, me and my little Kandahar guy, with a PKM manning it, making sure that we weren't going to get overrun. And just watch the firefights, how beautiful it was. I did that in Sebha when we were in, in, in Libya. Um, but just to see that and just to hear the feel and the adrenaline, but also staying in control of your, being yep. able to learning how to stay in control of your own, your own, and it's not panic, but you, again, your own adrenaline. Yeah. And just, be, you, you can enjoy it. Your world just goes, and you're never as attentive to everything around you. Colors don't pop. Sounds don't pop. 
voices and smells don't smell like that ever if you're able to relax and say you know what i'm here if i die die you know i don't plan on it but i'm going to enjoy the moment and then you fight better you really do it's awesome it is it's like your world just goes like a racehorse pulling those blinders off and you just see everything it's It's like hd in real life yeah if you for i mean you can understand like especially on the higher level of things when you've spent time training and training and you finally get that yeah. first deployment where something pops off i mean as long as your training is well enough that you kick in and you're calm enough to react and utilize that that is yeah. the ultimate culmination for basically like an athlete training and finally getting on the field and playing well, and, and and what the beauty of that is i'm so lucky it happened later in my career because the first time an ied went off and when we when we got hit um I, at least i was far enough away i stood and watched it yeah. Like, wow, this is all. And somebody smarter than me said, hey, jackass, you better start moving. You know, I, it, things that I'd been through before that incident. Yeah. I'd been attacked before, been shot at before. I've shot at people before. I, mean, I don't know if I hit them or not. I, I think I did. I think I hit, maybe hit a couple here or there. And they were terrorists. They weren't, they were all bad guys. Yeah, of course. Um, but when that night came, you know, it, that was a, a culmination of, because it was, you know, I've never been in a situation where there's nobody coming, though. Yes. I've never been in a situation where you're just, for that long, like, you know, we're on our own. You yes. know, it, you prepare for it. You prepare, always prepare for the worst, hope for the best. But any other situation I'd been in, at least I had a QRF team, whether it was my own guys, whether it was a ground branch team that was in the area, military that was in the area, were coming to help out. Another security, you know, guys can make fun of Blackwater or Dyncor or Triple Canopy all they want as contractors. When they knew somebody was getting hit, they would drop everything and get to you. It didn't matter who you were working for. But there we we had nobody. Wow. And that was that's what that's why I'm glad it happened then. If what happened earlier in my career, maybe things would have happened different, or maybe I would have went to the black and would have shut down. I don't know. Maybe. But do you do you remember luckily. what that feeling is like when you know that the, there really is no QRF? Well, you you're fighting off and there was one feeling and you fight it off. And I had to, it was a feeling of a pit of your stomach of a little bit. And I'm gonna call it despair. Like, and then anger, like mother, excuse mother effort. I'm trying to keep it PG rated. I know I can swear, but I'm still trying yeah. to, I still got, I still got, still got kids that look up to me a little bit okay. for some ungodly reason. Um, but you're <laughs> saying, yeah, no. <laughs> you, you're, you're really, cause it's that, it's that feeling of, Oh my gosh, nobody's coming. I, I'm going to die here. Yeah. But you, 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 you push it out of your head. That's what I'm saying. If it, that feeling may have been overtaken me, if this would have happened the first deployment I ever did. Yeah. But that point in time, I knew what the feeling was like. I knew it was just adrenaline and I knew it was like, hell no. I, and then, cause then the other, the other part kicks in the positive part. Hell no. I am not dying here. Hell no. We're going to figure out how we get out. Hell no. If somebody comes across the wall and I run out of ammo, I am going to, cut my way until I get out of here because I'm not going to going to be seen on an orange jumpsuit on some Al Jazeera TV. Yeah. I'll go down fighting. But yeah. I'm not going to give up. Never, never give up. There's, yeah, I mean, I've been in a similar situation, you know, low visibility. The QRF is not close enough. Not, not close, close enough, enough, yeah. And there is, you know, and I'm like, I guess even before the attack to, to sit with and then be able to have time because nothing's happening because i mean p- people yeah. don't realize too too like most special operations temple they think we're like hitting bin laden's house every night it's like no it's like 99 percent call of duty and <laughs> with the boys right it's, yep, yep, yep. it's like it's, people have this it's weird a, it's, it's yeah. a light switch you tell them yeah you tell, and that's why that's why i would parody things i did dance with the flash i danced all the time i would joke i wore shorts actually i was wearing a mickey mouse shirt that night i just couldn't put mickey mouse in the movie because i guess disney doesn't like mickey mouse shooting terrorists i don't know how more america you can be than that yeah but that you 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 because it is it's let's have fun because it's so monotonous let's figure out a way to get through the next day but then when you got to turn the light switch on light switch is on all right let's go take care of business and and get serious and and but then you you know there's still jokes from firefighters are going there's still stuff because you're yeah. using humor to get over them, get, get yeah. through it. Gallows humor. But it's, that's funny that you bring that up. So like you brought it up earlier, you're not, you're not constantly like a squirrel waiting for the next cat to come and get you. And do you, I mean, you work a lot um, still and you have a large influence in the, the tactical 
like, you know, pro two way community. And man, like, obviously, like I am all for Americans who want to be proficient in training in firearms and they have that right. Um, But man, like I still get this feeling sometimes that that community pushes, it pushes so much fear. It's like, okay, yeah, always be ready. For sure, always yeah. be ready. If we have a well-armed, um, if we have a well-armed public, the chances of something of somebody trying to pull off a catastrophe yeah. or an atrocity is pretty low, right? But yeah, there's a lot of that that wrong gear of anxiety. I feel where a lot of those guys are just like, I'm always ready, bro. I'm always ready in case something happens. I'm like, yeah, but if we talk about like Gavin DeBecker, who were like gift of fear. He's like, you actually have more blinders on when you're constantly worried about that stuff. You're missing stuff because you're you're not having just a nice, relaxed, yeah. head open view. Is that and that's kind of like exactly well, what you're talking about. Well, that's that's anything. If you're relaxed in anything, whether yes. it's taking a test. You know, a written test, whether it's, uh, you know, going out to the range of shooting, whether it's, and being relaxed, you know, there's different different levels of being relaxed, but you're right. Having be able, because you can think clearer, the adrenaline and all that stress is not clouding your mind and, and you're able to focus. Yes. Uh, and you're exactly right. When we do our training, when I, I have that, you know, my battle line company, when myself and Ben Morgan and we have other trainers, Larry Stevenson, Benny Gloss, we train like that. All right, guys, relax, yeah. have fun. If we need to ratchet up a little bit, we'll ratchet up a little bit, but you're at least going to tell you it's coming so you know how to recognize what that adrenaline feeling is like. But don't always be, you're right, like that like that dog, squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. Yeah. You, yeah. You don't, when you're like that, when you're like at first, you're, you're wound way too tight yeah. and you're, you are missing things. And if the crap does hit the fan, and you're like that, you're going to make a bad decision because you're, you're going to be, you're going to panic. We talked about earlier before we got on, you're going to panic. Yeah. You're going to that panic mode. You're not going to go into the orange or the yellow. You're going to go straight to the red and you're going to overdo it. Or you're going to go to the black and you're going to shut down uh, the Colonel Cooper's color code guys. And yeah. you can Google that and all the OODA loop and all our stuff we, we train, but you're exactly right. And that's why doing constant training, but also learning what your body feels like, learning what adrenaline is, learning that, fight and flight are the same thing it's just adrenaline and getting it and how to put it where you need to put it whether it's in your hands and focusing on it focusing where it needs to go the most you can maintain that calm and it is it's calm it's it's a, it's a chaotic calm and like I, like i'm telling you with the blinders again the chaotic calm so everything just goes shh and everything slows down it's just it's it's amazing and and you can and also you can enjoy the situation you have situational awareness as well prior to which helps you actually handle a situation before it even needs to be a situation whether it's a deadly force situation or a, a situation you have to think about using deadly force you don't ever have to want to use it yeah. but if you have to be able to use it proficiently where you're not going to hurt other people around you and you're not going to shoot yourself in the leg grabbing your gun if you have to use it but always think i don't want to use this first this is not my first option it's not my second option it's my last option but if i have to use it God help whoever pushed me to that pushed me to that point where I I have to. But you're well, you hit it right on the head. You got to relax. It's just very interesting. Like we'll start having these other guests on, like when Gavin DeBecker or not Gavin DeBecker, Malcolm Gladwell. He talks about like the experts and the general public have the same conclusion. Like if they're taste testing ketchup, the general public gets the top three right. They may not have it in the right order as the experts, but they still get the top three right. And it's like a researcher, um, a researcher like Gavin DeBecker, who's like an expert in that field, come there to the is. same conclusion that you guys, that we do anecdotally, where it's like, yeah, like, like you just learned that. You've learned that through experience, just years upon years of operations and incidences, combat ticks. And he reaches that through research. And there's this weird parallel where research and expertise say the same exact thing. It's very, it's... He's brilliant, and he he is an expert in executive protection. He's been around for years. Yep. And EPs even I think even EP executive protection may even be harder in some aspects because if a gun does come out in EP, you probably lost. Yeah. You have to be able to address that before that gun even comes out of the holster, that knife comes out before yeah. that pie comes out to hit your because you're not only protecting <laughs> their 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 freaking body, you're protecting their name, you're protecting their their persona. Yeah. And you have to be able to deal with all that. And if you if you don't have that situation where it's to stop it before it happens in executive protection or corporate security, what you've already lost. So I, yeah. I, I like I read his stuff. Yeah. Actually I, I admire his stuff from a long time ago when I was reading it. 
and he is an expert in his field and, and people yeah. should read it. Gavin DeBecker, especially if you're going to go into executive protection, you yeah. know who Gavin DeBecker is and, and study what he puts out there. Cause he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. I tell a lot of, um, you know, I tell a lot of women cause they do have that fear, you know, walking on the street at night and like, you got to read this book. You, you keep, yeah. Like, that's not going to help you to have the anxiety of walking down and unsafe that you feel is unsafe. Or even if you feel unsafe, um, irrationally. Right. Uh, I tell them, yeah. you, gotta, you gotta read that book, but, um, going back to, well, I guess we wrap to the incident of Benghazi, right? Um, you guys discover there's, there's contact going on. Sure. You're not supposed to, you're not supposed to, I want to paint this picture. You're not supposed to be there, right? The CIA, you guys want to help and they make a good yeah. movie. I think it's, um, you know, they tell that you like, one of you guys tells the chief, like, dude, where do you think they're coming next? Like once they get rid of this, once they run over, you know, that consulate or that, that, like that little, that little embassy, where do you think they're coming next? And you know, the chief, I imagine it's actually portrayed dude. that guy like despised you. He despised you guys. Like what was he, his, he, there, there is a sense of, to me when, when I was with the agency and there's some disagreement there, at least in my opinion. And this is why I acted the way I did. Um, to a lot of the uh, a lot of the CIA staffers, the employees, that I'm better than you. I'm an employee. I graduated from some well-known college. I'm on the it's an I call it the East Coaster attitude, and mm -hmm. it is. I know more than you. I'm smarter than you just because I'm an employee and you're a contractor. And actually, I believe we portrayed him even stronger than what he actually was in real life. He was more passive aggressive. He was more condescending even. Okay. And that even pissed me off even more. And, yeah. and, but that's, that being said, going back to who are they, who are they going to, once they're done at the consulate, who are they going to attack next? That's the mentality of an operator. That's the mentality of an instrument. That's the mentality of an executive protection professional that's been doing it for years is that your, your chess, your playing chess, what is their next move? That's why we do ARs when we come back after action reviews and when we come back from an opera training op uh, is we're trying to figure out what mistakes we made. So we don't have to do them again. Don't make them again. And then if this op happens again, we can have some definite foresight when the mission goes wrong of what possibly the enemy could do next. You're yeah. always doing chess. You're, people think operators are idiots. Operators are some of the smartest guys. I've, and I shouldn't say that. They think we're hayseed country boys. And I, you know, I, and I, the most brilliant people I've met have been Rangers and SEAL and SF guys. Infantrymen, Marsaw, guys that maybe only have a high school education, but they have so much common sense, so much knowledge, because they can, because of the ARs, because they're always thinking ahead of the game, that they are the most brilliant guys out there. The book smarts one thing, having common sense and wisdom is another, and our staffers didn't have it, not because they couldn't have gained it, they just didn't go through enough experiences to gain that wisdom, to gain that common sense in that situation. And him not being a leader, he was so proud. And we had a team leader there, too, that had no military experience. He was a former Secret Service guy. They were so proud and so bit such their egos so full of themselves, they couldn't just say, you know what, guys, we don't know what the heck's going on. You guys take over. That's what should happen. And they, they couldn't do it. Would you say that uh, the, one of the signs of a good leader is being able to, to, being able yeah. to accept that it's not – mutually exclusive that because you're not an expert in this field and you have the uh, the the like the for like the foresight and the humble yeah. humility to hand it off to someone else being like oh wow this place is being run over i am not suited for this but wait i've got a group of guys over here who do this for a living yeah. um would you like that's gotta be a pretty good sign for a leader to to it still doesn't make you a bad leader to turn that over to the guys who are in charge or in charge of like of that kind not. of field. Yeah. Um, you're, you're able to delegate it's your task delegation. You're, de you're delegating a task to somebody else that may be smarter than you in that particular, particular genre, particular um, situation. You know, look at an ODA. I, I learned a lot from being on when I was an ODA nine, nine, three, when I was with 19th group, because you have that alpha, that 18 alpha that team leader, but then you have the experts, better expert, you have your Delta, you know, you have your Bravo, you, you know, you have your experts in particular fields. And he relies on those guys when the situation arises, if it's a particular, if it's in the air particular realm. So let's say we have to, we have an EOD area here. We're, we're going to get our, we're going to get our, uh, 
our uh, demo sergeant, our, our you know our EOD sergeant to handle that situation. Our alpha is going to delegate it and get his advice and even sometimes say, you know what, that's you. You figure it out. I don't know as much as you. I know a little bit about everything, but I need to make the best decision so the mission is successful. Not I need to give every order. I need to know everything. I need no bullshit. Yeah. I need to be able to task delegate down to my guys and trust them that they know that what they're doing because I've trained them well enough or I know them well enough and say, you know what, you handle this or at least listen to what we had to say. And he wasn't doing that either. Neither was our team leader. They, they were overwhelmed. They were panicking and, and that cost lives. What it did. That, that had to have been incredibly it was, it was frustrating, frustrating. And it, it was, I was angering, but there again, you have the choice to either lose it and freak out, which is not going to do anything. Yeah. Just panic breeds panic. You you panic, everybody else is going to start panicking, and all the Jason Bournes are already panicking anyway. If you remain at least some semblance of calmness, well, first of all, you're going to be able to think better. Second of all, it's going to show that everybody else, okay, we still got a little bit of level of control, and we're not going to lose that initiative, which we didn't want to lose, even though every minute that went by, we were losing it more and more and more. So finally, we really did think as we were going out that gate, suicide mission well shit we at least got to try and and not that we were going to give up not that we were thinking we we're going to die but it was like the odds they, they have basically solidified themselves and now we're gonna have to fight our way in on foot which we did we actually fought our way in on foot and that's what i was gonna i guess ask paint that picture is how many guys i guess including um the ambassador's detail was there like how many trained people ds agents secret service well, yeah. and GRS guys were there at the time at the annex and at the consulate. They, well, they had, they, they had their, their security detail and they had maybe 12 years of military experience between them all, between all five of them. Um, oh, they were wow. max security. Yeah. They, that was, that was not a lot. And, and they, they, they weren't beaten up. They were awesome guys. They knew oh, that course. they, they yeah. were under, underwhelmed. I mean, overwhelmed. They knew they were under, uh, under trained, I should say. Yes. Um, for that situation oh yeah of course and, but but they didn't they didn't have anybody and 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 uh so really when that happened nah they got caught off guard and when they got caught off guard it was just there there was no way that would they would have been able to fight back without pretty much probably all of them dying and um, how many of them just, how many were on your team we had the, the we had five that went over there oz was actually out on an off that night he was doing an actual an off uh, with a case officer that night yeah. Um, so when we first went over, it was the five of us. We had our GRS team leader, our staffer guy. I can't tell you his name because he's still working. He did nothing. He was worthless. He actually waited till we cleared the compound. Then he, if you read the book, he, he's not portrayed in the movie, but if you read the book, he's the one that actually with our interpreter, Amal, drove yeah. the uh, SUV on the <laughs> compound after, after the five of us had already cleared it. Yeah. And, um, and then, uh, no, it was five of us, and we actually had to split. There, that movie's accurate, where me and Boone started jumping walls and going through backyards because we thought we could get up on a perch to put sniper fire in. I had a, I had a you see the weapon system. I'm not going to tell you the nomenclature, but anybody that knows those little, the little saws that we have, you're, you're going to know what it is. Um, and, but he also he had a 308, and we were hoping we could put a shooting into the, uh, from a perch. There were two buildings, and we, we, we actually cleared two buildings up the stairwell. Yeah. Uh, on our on our on our <laughs> run there and uh of course the only trees in benghazi are, are on the consulate and they were all on fire so it was good great but you know go, going back to that brother about the beauty of it i do remember getting up on that last perch and i was smoked i was i mean i was dead tired um but i remember just seeing the trees on fire and you could still see the black smoke even in, even in, and just the shadows and you know you see the famous picture of those land cruisers that are on fire when the news yeah, I saw them from there looking in and the buildings on fire and just everybody. And you couldn't really see the people. Yeah. But I saw all that. I was just like, oh my God, this is gorgeous. How beautiful is this? And I just took it in for a second. It was, <laughs> for, it was amazing. Yeah. For people who have never done it through like clearing upstairs is like it's brutal. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah when you, when you say you're smoked, like you guys have to understand like how, how intense and how exhausting it is to clear stairs up a building like that. That sucks, and it was it, unfruitful too. And you had to go right back it, down, right? It down, and it was so. It was when we got up, and it was still. And it, it, the movie spot on. He was. I told him, like, runs like Donna. What's going on? I need your eyes. I go, brother. I said, that, I did. I said exactly. I said this roost is a bust, man. 
I said, when then after that, this didn't get in the movie, but what I said after that, it's in the book is I said, just shoot, move and communicate. We'll meet you in the middle. And that's what we did. And so we, that's when he took off and we just finally went in the middle. Yeah. It it was awesome. It was awesome working with us because even we had never really worked together. Boone and I were the only guys that actually worked together at other places. The rest had only been together for about, you know, at most 45 days because of the level of training of the guys there, because of the the units, because of the ages, it was just like we'd worked before minimal radio contact, minimal depravity. And it was bam, we moved in. Yeah. Thank God. So kind of operates on the same wavelength across all branches. Otherwise that would have been a shit storm. Um, (laughs) But um, so like, Yeah, yeah, trying to repaint that picture. Like there's, dozens if not well over a hundred people attacking this compound there's five guys with less for maybe 12 years of military experience in between them guarding an ambassador in the middle of a country that is not pro-american not pro-democracy they are overrunning the compound the five of you go against orders from your boss right the cia chief and like you said earlier you said it was probably a suicide mission. Obviously your mindset is like, not today, not, not tonight yeah. at the very not, least. Not, but, yeah, not, uh, not, uh, not tonight, Satan, it's not going to happen, but, but yeah. you know that you're going, your, your odds are, the odds are, the you're, odds. you're being realistic. You still have to be realistic. And yeah. in the movie, um, is it, is it Roan? He's like, listen, none of you have to go. Yeah. But they're the you, only help we have. And Ro- Roan was our assistant. I'm sorry, bro. I keep cutting you off. Dude. Don't be, don't I, be. I, I know. Roan, he was on paper our assistant team leader because we had a staff team leader, but he was our team leader. He's the guy we listened to. So he was, and, the, yeah, he he was he, like the platoon sergeant as opposed to the fucking yes, he, lieutenant. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> platoon sergeant with a bunch of squad leaders, and yeah. I, was that, I was that asshole squad leader that I'm going to do what the hell I want. You can, you can reprimand me later. But I did listen to him, and yeah, he did. He's, he's like, hey, you guys. We have to go. I mean, to us, like, is that even a question? But we respected him enough that we knew what he was saying, and we knew he had to say it, and nobody said a word. And when I watched, I remember when I first saw that, I, I just remembered, and I just, you get the chills. I still get the chills, because I'm like, God, that was awesome. I think about that, and I, that is, that is so, that was such an awesome moment. I wish I got to add a camera and could have just stopped that moment. I, I know we have it in a movie, and it's forever going to be there in a movie, I wish we would have been able to stop that moment in time, you know, when it actually happened. And it, it, I had to post it on my wall and to remember that you, you always sacrifice yourself. We didn't have to, we weren't here wearing uniforms. People go do this because they want to wear a badge or they want to have uniforms or their whatever unit on their shoulder. We didn't have uniforms. We didn't care who we were working for. We did it because it was the right thing to do. And we did it because it was a brotherhood and we all trusted each other. We all didn't like each other either. All people don't know that. Oz and I don't like each other. I didn't get along with him. Didn't matter. You do the right thing. He's my brother. We're gonna go fight downrange together. I will give my life for you, and and we're gonna and we're gonna meet this head on as a as a full unit. But we're not doing it for anybody else, but just to, to make sure we save lives. And that's it. And that's just like you said. It's man, like you guys, the the uh, the objective like statistics was like this is this is a could be your yeah. death. This could be your death. You could have stayed at that compound and just held and waited for them to come to you. And yet you didn't, you went to go risk your own lives yeah. without a moment's notice. And I think, it, especially like you said earlier, you didn't like one of your teammates and people can't, uh, I guess civilians sometimes can't wrap their heads around that is I had the same thing. I had a, I had a was working with an ODA team and the, the team sergeant dude, we did not get along. And I was a team leader for my, for my Marine team and we did not get along. And, uh, but we knew, we knew that, you know, yeah, something ever kicked off. I mean, we were all on the same team. Uh, so we had that yep. mutual self-respect. And you talk there, about yep. that in your book, The Ranger Way. Choosing yeah. 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 hard right over the easy left. Yeah, you know, and that's, if you're going to, if you're going to do anything, you have to have integrity. And I'm no saint, bro. I believe me, I've broken every commandment there None is in are. the book. Yeah. I know, but, but I've learned from it. And, and I always am trying to do the hard right, always trying to do the hard right over the easy wrong, always trying to do it. And if, if that night, you know, I say if that night, to me, that's a no brainer. I don't think again, you have to, to, and I've actually said this to, to a buddy. We used to be a buddy of mine. We're not buddies anymore. 
but I said it to him because he was he was preaching about how bad some people were and how awful they were. And I'm like, hey, look at look at yourself, man. Are you are you perfect? Are you this guy that's always perfect? Are you doing the hard right every time? I said, you can't fully condemn somebody else until you are actually perfect and you're doing it right every time. And we're not. And that not, but I said, one thing that we do agree on because he comes from the same background as me. I said, we don't put ourselves above you and you shouldn't put yourself above because you're willing to give your life to somebody else. Now you can speak down about somebody else. You shouldn't. Being able to give your life for someone else is what everybody should be willing to do. That's easy, especially if you've chosen this path, whether it's a Marine Corps Ranger, Gavin DeBecker, Executive Protection, you've chosen that path. You have a choice. That's easy to do. It's actually having the integrity to, you know what, maybe, and I'll put, maybe not sleep with your neighbor's wife. <laughs> maybe not commit, maybe not commit fraternization when you're an instructor in an academy yeah. because nobody's going to catch you. Those are things, and I go, what, that's where it comes from. Too. It's, it's easy to do the hard right. And that's why when people, well, how was it? You guys were going to go there. You could have died, this and that. No, people needed to be saved. If we all had that mentality that we were willing to give our lives for another person, the world would be a better place. It's the little things that guys like ourselves, that, that integrity, doing the right thing when nobody else is looking. When nobody's seeing, that's when it's hard to do the right thing. And that's where, that's when I say hard right over the easy wrong. It's easy to do something when you know you're not going to get caught or you think you're not going to get caught where if you to do the hard right where you know that, hey, nobody's going to know I did the right thing here, but I got to do it anyway. Bob's a perfect example that night. He didn't think anybody was good. He, he wasn't looking for accolades when him and his team got that plane to get uh, to Tripoli to us. Um, he died because of it, but he found a way and he knew he was going to lose his, probably lose his clearance. He knew he was going to probably lose his job but he chose the hard right over the easy wrong. And we would never have known if he wouldn't have got there either. To me, that, that's true hard right over easy wrong. And he sacrificed his life for it. Um, that's where I come up with that. But being able to lay your life down for someone else, especially in guys like our position, I think we, it's, 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 it's ingrained in us. We don't do it for any other reason but to, for our fellow man. And I'm not being grandiose or nothing because I don't like everybody out there. In fact, I hate a lot of people out in this world, <laughs> but I'm still going to put my life in front of yours if, you can get home. And when, that was how we all were. When you went, I mean, I guess just if you didn't go, let's say for whatever reason, you guys went automatically because your lives yeah. on the line and they're fellow Americans. And um, if you didn't, like, if you didn't go, what would the downside have been? You know, by us going, they, they had the initiative. We lost it by waiting that 30 minutes. We were able to gain it back and at least put them on their heels when we went over there. And we got asked in this commission, the, the, the first commission uh, uh, hearing that I was in with Congress, which was run by Mike Rogers, which was a joke. It was a complete joke. Um, you know, they asked, they said, well, you know what? So what if you would have left in five minutes? Because that's what we could have left in five minutes. They wouldn't have been. Who says you would have saved them? I said, you know what? You're right. Who says we would have saved them? But we at least would have put them on their heels and let the State Department guys do their job while they were engaging us to get the ambassador out of there. And then they would have had to reset. Guys, go, tell everybody, Google OODA loop. They would have had to reset their OODA loop and start all over again, which, yes, now, which we did. I'm glad we did. 30 minutes. We made them reset their loops. Like, oh, my gosh, this isn't going to be as easy as we thought. Now we've got to replan this attack on the annex or whatever else they need or re-counterattack the consulate. And now gave us the advantage to get the initiative back. Yeah. So if we wouldn't have gone over there, no, they would. It, you know, think of when a football team just drives down the field easy. Think of it that way. They're, they're Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. And if we wouldn't have been able to get in there and hammer them back and stop them on third down, they would have just kept rolling through and they probably would have rolled over our annex because it would have just continued yeah. to give them confidence. Yeah. And they, they probably would have brought more into the fight, which, uh, but when you're dealing with lies on their loss on their end, now that kind of sets them back. Like, Oh my gosh, do I really want to be a part Makes of this? Second guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there you go. Over entire compound gaining that momentum and everybody jumps in yeah. when summer soldiers. But I guess I, I was trying to ask people who would think like, man, you ran in, you could have, died and it's like okay yeah. so i don't people may not realize like were, were you guys afraid of dying that night when you went in not you don't get that mindset i i didn't get that mindset when none of yeah. us i felt got that mindset either yeah what are you afraid what were you afraid of more than dying 
Like, were you, like in terms of if you don't go, what is the fear you, in not going to try and save your fellow Americans? Not being able to live with yourself. You can't put a price on living with yourself, man. People put prices on everything when it comes to money. They put prices on, like I said, on, on status in their in their in whatever unit they want to be in or what they want to do with their lives. I just I and I still bothers me that we couldn't find the ambassador. You know, you can't put a price on living with yourself. Um, that would have been the hardest thing to deal with. If we wouldn't have left, I know right now today I'd be like, damn it. And it would have probably even be worth like, why didn't we go? You, you, and then you then you start second guessing yourself. You're like, yeah. am I a chicken shit? Why didn't I go? Do I not have the courage that I thought I did? Am I am I not? And then you know what else it would have done? It would have embarrassed the Seventh Fifth Ranger Regiment, and that would have bothered me a bunch because oh, I wouldn't have done. I, I, I know it would have. It would have all the guys before me that ran towards gunfire, that ran into, that sacrificed themselves. I'd have been like, I am a piece of shit. So yeah. I don't think it's pretentious to say stuff like, or you're thinking of yourself. You really aren't. You're just, that's where you should, the level you should hold is like, I, man, I, I can't put a price on my integrity. Well, that was your moral code. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. Like that's your moral code that spoke and not like being selfish, but like, I think, yeah, like yeah. I, people don't realize like, man, like we already signed up for this. We're not afraid to die for the people next to us that, you know, are closer to us, especially in that moment than our own family. Yeah. Um, but what gets a lot of people don't realize gets a lot of veterans is that survivor guilt will fucking get us, man. If, it, uh, it, it, if you lost it. it. Does still, yeah, I did it, it for does years. A little bit. It does feel a little bit, but yeah, at least we did the right thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you did it among all the staggering things that, that, you know, were getting disciplined and it, you guys I mean correct me if I'm wrong you guys got you guys lost your clearances over this you guys lost your job for doing the right thing and and that's that's where people aren't willing to do that more again that's putting self in front of in front of everything else and you shouldn't do that yeah. one thing I, I tell guys too that are going over and this this helped me eventually too before we left the compound is uh you know I, I told I, I was able that last phone call you had I always tell guys are deployed or whatever you're doing where you're in a, a situation where you may be in, in danger at some point or just in daily life, make sure that loved one, whether it's your kids, whether it's your wife, girlfriend, if you're very serious with her, a mother and father, you know, if that's who your that's your family, tell me you love them to say that mate. then you have no regrets. And I, I didn't, I remember after the second firefight, I was up on the roof and I thought, did I tell my wife I love you? Yep. Did I tell my two kids. Yep. I'm good. I never thought about it again. I never thought awesome. about not coming home again. You did do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I did. I did before. I did the the night. I did earlier in the day. The last conversation I had with him, I told him I love him, and that that's good. Now you. That's a great stress relief. Know. You're not yeah. dying. Yeah. Well, Jack it, it doesn't Jack or like he urgently rushes to upload a video. He meant. He to actually did. He did life. that. He did. Yeah. He did that. I remember. He, yeah. he had, that's that wasn't part of the, that wasn't movie magic. He, he had he because he had him and his his wife had gotten a fight or an argument, and he had just videoed that, and he hadn't sent it yet. Wow. And uh. And that situation with the contact too, where he lost his, that was actually happened to him. It came out of his eye and he, he caught it and he put it back in his, be like, oh, that's movie. That's true. No, he actually did lose his contact while they were driving over there. So, so Michael I, Bay did I, I, I admire that, job, that they got it right. Yeah. Hey brother, I, I got to go get my kids here in a second. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to don't be, be man. to everybody. Busy, man. And we got to do another one of these. We will. Yeah, man. Good having you. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate the time, brother. All right. God bless you, man. That we have to do a part two on that. We've actually been trying um, after the first episode. Uh, <laughs> we were fired up, man. That was a good conversation. I was sweating. And, uh, we were like, we got to do part two like ASAP. And just, man, Tonto's so busy. You know, he's constantly doing events, giving speeches. He has a lot to offer the world. And um, our schedules haven't lined up. But I want to do the next one in person. So part two will just have to happen. It'll happen eventually, I promise you, because there's so much more we can talk about. But, man, Tonto and the men like him that, you know, serve together at that outpost, that story is so unbelievable. And those guys are a model for for myself and that I offer to other people too as to how to live your life um, and 
if you can kind of follow these guidelines, these rules, um, you're on the right path, in my opinion. And I look to him and the others that were with him as just role models and inspiration as to how I should act, you know, how I should treat others and how I should live my life. And that was, a, that's it's such a powerful story. I really hope you guys enjoyed that. I don't even like that stuff is like such a peak for, I'm like, do should we even, should that wrap it up? Like once we tell that story, I mean, I'm sure there are definitely others out there, but man, it doesn't get any better than that. Um, and that's just, that kind of stuff inspires what I would say, like, that's what gives proof to me that the people are good people, um, that there are people out there who are willing to do that, um, to protect others and enable them to us to live our lives, um, freely. Uh, and we take that for granted as Americans. We're just so used to being safe and having the expectation of freedom of religion and speech and safety. It's it's inspiring, man. Anyways, I really hope you guys enjoyed that. Thanks to our sponsors, Nova 3, Truest You, Imam Box, Element 26. Thank you to you guys for listening. Um, please give us you know, some kind of review on iTunes. And I, I know it's it's really hard, but if this brought you any value, entertainment, lessons learned, um, good insights, please, man, just go to iTunes and give us a review. It doesn't even have to be five stars. Um, please give us some feedback. Be like, hey, I, I love this. I, I think this could be improved. Because I'll, I'll, I'll read them, man. I'll listen to them, and I will enact on those. Um, check us out on Instagram, alpha.brew.coffee, alphabrewcoffee.com. Thank you for you, you know, listening. Thank you for the support, guys. Have a good day. Thank you so much.